0: Right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to the Wellness Wonderland Radio, everyone. This is Katie, and today I have with me Isabel Fox and Duke, freedom from emotional attachment to food guru. She is amazing. She's a tell it like it is, hilarious, and just so freaking intelligent coach, speaker person that is out in the world helping women all over the world release their crazy patterns with food, ditch the diets that don't work, and start to learn to feed their body with ease. Where, where we all want to be, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I call her, um, you know, Janine Roth meets Lena Dunham. She's amazing, and I am so excited that she's here. If you don't know Isabel um, or her work... I'm going to just read off a couple highlights um, of the amazing stuff she does on the regular. So welcome, Isabel,
1: first of all. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. I cannot believe you just said Janine Roth plus Lena Dunham. I could not. I mean, it's like the highest honor on both counts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so true. It's so true. So here's a little bit more about you for everybody. Um, And I'm just going to read this little part. So, Isabel teaches women that you don't need to be obsessed with managing your weight in order to look and feel awesome. She also teaches you don't need to fear dinner dates because you're not sure you'll be able to eat or what you'll be able to eat because you're afraid you'll lose control and eat everything on the table, including 10 of the bread basket. She teaches you don't need to avoid every social situation because... The thought of putting on non stretchy pants makes you want to burst into tears. And you can arrive at the perfect size you were meant to be at without driving yourself crazy. And that's just the start of it. So I directly got that from her radical, amazing website, which I will post below. She's way cool, right? You just heard that. So from her work, from her ebook, How to Eat Chocolate Cake, um, on or from her blogs to her telecasts her personal attention to me and answering my questions um she's just been a tremendous help in my life and my journey and so like I said I am thrilled to have her on the show today so again thank you for stopping by Wonderland Isabel
1: oh my gosh it's so my pleasure I can't wait to be here I mean I'm so excited
0: Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, this is amazing. Um, and okay, there's so much I want to ask you, obviously. But before we jump in, your last name slash names is Rad. Can we just like talk about that for a second?
1: I mean, I get this all the time. I
0: figured you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone loves it. it What's funny is that when I was growing up and I was a kid, I just thought it was just like the most normal, like blah name ever. It never occurred to me that it was like so like fancy or like special. And then I actually didn't used to go by Isabel Fox and Duke. I used to just go by Isabel Duke most of the time. And then I adopted the Foxen um because Isabel dot com was taken. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> isn't that funny? That's so such like a funny oh. story. So yeah. Is it so
0: is it, tell me about the name. Where does it come from? Well, oh
1: so my, um, so yeah, I mean, it's really like pretty basic and simple. My mother's last name is Foxen and my father's last name is Duke. So, you know, it was my mother's name. Yeah. Just like classic. I think, you know, that's a classic sort of middle name formula is, you know, what's yeah. the mother's middle name. So it's really, you know, nothing too special about it, but it just so happens that both my parents have these like really, really strong last right. names. Foxen just, and Duke both are super strong. People used to, like, run around. When I was in middle school and stuff when I was a kid, people would be like, the Duke, the Duke. <laughs> and then when I adopted Foxen, it was like a whole nother influx of, oh, my God, Foxy Foxen. Da, da, da. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to say. Duke. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, it's, I it's... like that
1: Foxen would be even more scintillating than Duke, you know?
0: Yeah, they're both yeah. very powerful. And I the order really works well. Like, I don't think it would have quite the same... Um, clout if it was Duke Foxen for some reason it's just the Fox and Duke like I don't know
1: you're right you're right you're right there was um a period of my life when I was in, a kid when I was in high school where I was like maybe I'll just drop the Isabel and just go by Fox and Duke uh, just seemed like super powerful just so like I don't know something really strong about that, but you know you got to have a little feminine edge too.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, I like I like the whole thing. Um, cool. All right. Well, now that we've cleared that up, for mm-hmm. that was totally personal for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we can actually jump in because I have so many practical questions for you um, of things that I've heard from you and learned from you that I know can help so many people. So I I want to definitely get going. Um, Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So let's jump right in. So you, you've created um, a wellness wonderland, per se, that you live in, definitely. And you coach women and teach women to live in that place themselves, releasing their crazy with food, like we talked about before. So I guess a great starting place is kind of your beginning. So maybe you could tell us a little bit um, about how long it took you to get to where you are today with your healthy relationship with food and your body and kind of what your personal journey's been like getting started on this path and how you came to holistic health in general.
1: Yeah, that's great. It's it's you know, I could tell the long story or the short story, but I'll do something in the middle. So, um, so basically, I mean, I grew up, I don't remember a time where I wasn't totally obsessed with my weight and dieting. I mean, like even as a very, very young child, you know, everyone kind of comes to sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm fat. I hate myself. I need to like lose 10 pounds. I need to lose 30 pounds. You know, everyone kind of has that, like that moment where they remember things kind of getting out of control. I don't remember that ever not being the case. Like I remember feeling like fat in like my leotard and ballet class as a kid. And, um, you know, a lot of that, you know, I kind of attribute to a lot of cultural and social things. You know, now looking back, you know, I'm very, very critical of even my pediatrician and even sort of the way the medical system sort of treats, totally. uh, body image related issues and kind of, you know, yeah. talking about this, you know, very socially charged, very culturally charged issue in yeah, a way like
0: that that weight chart, did you ever have that and like the height chart that they have?
1: Oh, yeah. And I remember being a kid and being scared to go to my physicals totally. because you were going to weigh me. And we're I was totally like... totally relate. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about it, I get really...
0: Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations, right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to the Wellness Wonderland Radio, everyone. This is Katie, and today I have with me Isabel Fox and duke freedom from emotional attachment to food guru. She is amazing. She's a tell-it-like-it-is hilarious and just so freaking intelligent coach, speaker, person that is out in the world helping women all over the world release their crazy patterns with food, ditch the diets that don't work, and start to learn to feed their body with ease. Where, where we all want to be, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I call her, um, you know, Janine Roth meets Lena Dunham. She's amazing, and I am so excited that she's here. If you don't know Isabel, Um, or her work. I'm going to just read off a couple highlights um, of the amazing stuff she does on the regular. So
1: welcome, Isabel, first of all. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. I cannot believe you just said Janine Roth plus Lena Dunham. I could not. I mean, it's like the highest honor on both counts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so true. It's so true. So here's a little bit more about you for everybody. Um, And I'm just going to read this little part. So Isabel teaches women that you don't need to be obsessed with managing your weight in order to look and feel awesome. She also teaches you don't need to fear dinner dates because you're not sure you'll be able to eat or what you'll be able to eat because you're afraid you'll lose control and eat everything on the table, including 10 of the bread basket. She teaches you don't need to avoid every social situation because... The thought of putting on non stretchy pants makes you want to burst into tears. And you can arrive at the perfect size you were meant to be at without driving yourself crazy. And that's just the start of it. So I directly got that from her radical, amazing website, which I will post below. She's way cool, right? You just heard that. So from her work, from her ebook, How to Eat Chocolate Cake, um, On or from her blogs to her telecasts, her personal attention to me and answering my questions. Um, she's just been a tremendous help in my life and my journey. And so, like I said, I am thrilled to have her on the show today. So, again, thank you for stopping by Wonderland, Isabel.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so my pleasure. I can't wait to be here. I mean, I'm so excited.
0: Yes! Okay, cool. Well, this is amazing. Um, and okay, there's so much I want to ask you, obviously, but before we jump in, your last name slash names is Rad. Can we just like talk about that for a second? I mean, I
1: get this all the time. I figured you did. <laughs> Everyone loves it It's funny is that when I was growing up And I was a kid I just thought it was just like the most normal Like blah name ever It never occurred to me that it was like so like fancy Or like special And then I actually didn't used to go by Isabel Fox and Duke I used to just go by Isabel Duke Most of the time And then I adopted the Foxen um, Because IsabelDuke.com was taken
0: Oh my and
1: gosh <laughs> Isn't that funny That's such so a like, funny oh. story So yeah,
0: is it, tell me about the name. Where does it come from?
1: Well, oh so I, um, so yeah, I mean, it's really like pretty basic and simple. My mother's last name is Foxen and my father's last name is Duke. So, you know, it was my mother's name. Yeah. Just like classic. I think, you know, that's a classic sort of middle name formula is, you know, what's yeah. the middle name. So it's really, you know, nothing too special about it, but it just so happens that both my parents have these like really, really strong last Mate. names. Foxen just, and Duke both are super strong. People used to, like, run around. When I was in middle school and stuff when I was a kid, people would be like, the Duke, the Duke. <laughs> and then when I adopted Foxen, it was like a whole nother influx of, oh, my God, Foxy Foxen. Da, da, da. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to say. Foxy Duke. Yeah, <laughs> so no, it's... I like it's, that
1: Foxen would be even more scintillating than Duke, you know?
0: Yeah, they're both yeah. very powerful. And I the order really works well. Like, I don't think it would have quite the same... Um, clout if it was Duke Foxen for some reason it's just the Fox and Duke like I don't know
1: you're right you're right you're right there was um a period of my life when I was in, a kid when I was in high school where I was like maybe I'll just drop the Isabel and just go by Fox and Duke uh, just seemed like super powerful just so like I don't know something really strong about that, but you know you gotta have a little feminine edge too.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, I like I like the whole thing. Um, cool. All right. Well, now that we've cleared that up, for <laughs> that was totally personal for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we can actually jump in because I have so many practical questions for you um, of things that I've heard from you and learned from you that I know can help so many people. So I I want to definitely get going. Um, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So let's jump right in. So you, you've created, um, a wellness wonderland per se that you live in definitely. And you coach women and teach women to live in that place themselves, releasing their crazy with food, like we talked about before. So I guess a great starting place is kind of your beginning. So maybe you could tell us a little bit, um, About how long it took you to get to where you are today with your healthy relationship with food and your body, and kind of what your personal journey has been like getting started on this path and how you came to holistic health in general.
1: Yeah. Great. It's it's you know I could tell the long story or the short story, but I'll do something in the middle. So um so basically, I mean, I grew up. I don't remember a time where I wasn't totally obsessed with my weight and dieting. I mean, like even as a very very young child, you know, everyone kind of comes to sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm fat. I hate myself. I need to like lose ten pounds. I need to lose thirty pounds. You know, everyone kind of has that like that moment where they remember things kind of getting out of control. I don't remember that ever not being the case. Like I remember feeling like fat in like my leotard and ballet class as a kid. And um, you know, a lot of that, you know, I kind of attribute to a lot of cultural and social things. You know, now looking back, you know, I'm very, very critical of even my pediatrician and even sort of the way the medical system sort of treats, Totally. Uh, body image-related issues, and kind of you yeah. know talking about this you know very socially charged, very culturally charged issue in yeah, a way. Like that
0: that weight chart. Did you ever have that and like the height chart that they have?
1: Oh yeah, and I remember being a kid and being scared to go to my physical. Totally, you were going to weigh me, and You're I was totally like, totally relate. Yeah, yeah. So, and I just you know, I mean, it's it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about it, I get really angry because, you know, the percentile, when I've
0: people- that's what I always remember hearing. What percentile? Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah,
1: yeah. Percentile. I remember, you know, I remember I had a little sister who was raised in this exact same culture, and I remember her coming home, and she was so happy. She, we were coming home from her doctor's office, and she was so, so happy. She was like, I'm not getting any fatter. Yay! Like, it was, like, the be- like, just, like, she had succeeded that she hadn't gained any weight. Like, it was, like, the best thing that ever happened, which I thought was kind of hilarious, um, but also really sad. And, yeah, I just remember just being so afraid of of getting weight. I was just always obsessed with weight, like always trying to lose weight, always, always, always. I do not remember a time when I wasn't trying to lose weight or thinking I was fat, you know, some version of those two things, which I think a lot of women, you know, a lot of women can relate to that. Some women I work with, they have a specific moment where they were like, this is the moment that I, you know, I never had body image issues until... I went to college and I gained 20 pounds and then that was when the diet binge cycle started for me. You know, other people, it starts when they're a baby. Like I'm pretty sure, I think the way my mother tells the story is that I was two or three years old and I was, you know, on the heavy side for a two or three year old, whatever the heck, you know, whatever that means. And my mother to this day will say, she her my doctor told her put, you know, to put her on what she called the broccoli and skim milk diet. Um... And like basically, you know, that basically that was it, you know, from a very, very young age, I was taught that this was something I needed to be conscious of and that this was something that was important. Um, So fast I forward. I think so
0: many people can relate to that, first of all, just before we move on. I mean, my myself 120% included, but I think most women, it, it's hard to pinpoint that exact time for most people, but I think... A lot of people have it for a really long time, even if they're not aware of it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I think that like there are certain – you know, I know a lot of women that I work with have this sort of middle ground where they're like, I always was conscious of my weight, but it didn't really start to get out of control mm-hmm. until X or whatever. You know, like everyone has sort of their – their Connection uh, to it. Their bullet points. Yeah. Right. like Their historical bullet points when they're explaining their history with food. You know, food histories are so – so personal and so dramatic. <laughs> yeah.
0: And critical to this work to really get clear on that. You really helped me coach that or you really coached me, helped coach me through that. Yeah. Getting really clear on that, um, which totally. we'll definitely get to, but I want to get back to your story for sure.
1: Yeah, totally. We should definitely not forget to talk no, about, you know,
0: the li- limiting
1: beliefs. When did you come up with that limiting belief?
0: Yes. Um, so
1: Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that, so that kind of just got worse and worse and worse. You know, I was throwing up my food, you know, engaged in very actively eating disordered behavior by the time I was, you know, probably 11 or 12 years old, um, at the latest. So I was pretty young when I was like really in full blown eating disorder. Like when, and, and when I say eating disorder, I mean like self harming behavior, like actively self harming behavior. Um, And I, um, and then that kind of continued off and on throughout high school until I went to, I went to college and I had yo-yoed up and down. My weight had yo-yoed up and down, just like diet binge, diet binge, diet binge, you know, literally like 40, 50 pounds in high school. Like that's pretty young for those kinds of massive weight fluctuations. And, um, I got to college and I was, I was at my heaviest weight ever. I think I was like, you know, I'm not even going to say because it, it's not even important, but I was heavier than I'd ever been in my entire life. And I just remember saying to myself, I can't stand this anymore. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes to get thin. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it I don't care how bad it is for my health. I don't care. This is the only, I really felt like this is the only thing standing between me and happiness. This is the only thing standing between me and success. This is the only thing standing between me and getting the hot guy I'm in love with and you know, having a, you know, being a star and you know, whatever else. You know, this is My life cannot possibly begin until I get to X weight, and I don't care what I have to do to get there. And that's when I really started diving. I started diving into drugs, you know, and I was uh, doing a lot of really, really illicit things. I mean, to the eating disorder behaviors got very, very out of control, and I was using, you know, pharmaceuticals. I was using um, illicit substances, cocaine. I mean, it was really out of control. And I eventually got kicked out of school because that's, I was a drug addict, essentially. Um, so I got kicked out of school and I ended up going to rehab, which is, you know, where I needed to be at the time. And that was the beginning. Like, that was the beginning of maybe a, you know, I would say like a solid five or six year journey Bottom. to where I would say that I am now. It, it, you know, it was a long string of trying to figure it out because, so many professionals say different things in this space. There is no consistency amongst what people are telling people to do to get over this stuff. Um, it's a highly misunderstood field. There's there are is so many, so many conflicting theories, so many different ways that people approach this, incredibly low recovery rate. I mean, I remember going into re- rehab and people telling me, you know, you have like a 95% chance of relapse relapse, whatever that means. A whole nother word that's just like rife with like social and like medical, like constructionism. And, um, and yeah, so, so that's what it happening. So then I kind of just went on my, you know, I was, my goal changed, you know, my goal changed from, you know, how do I lose this weight? You know, what can I do to get thinner to how can I stop obsessing about food? And, a lot of that for a very long time was how can I maintain my weight without obsessing about food? You know, for a really, really long time, I was still very hung up on the body image stuff. I was like, I just need to get my food under control. And then everything will be fine. But I wasn't really dealing at all with the underlying body image shit, which was ultimately what was driving my obsession to food with to begin with, you know, like, I think that's a major, major theme in my work is that it's pretty impossible to stop obsessing about food if you think that your life, the outcome of your life is determined by your weight. You know, I think I said in in a recent blog post, you know, if you believe that your life is going to be what it is or not going to, you know, is is going to have a certain outcome depending on your weight, it's like you're handing food a baseball bat and saying you have the power to make or break me. Like show me who's boss. Mm. So, uh, that was, I think sort of the ultimate, you know, moment for me where I was like, you know, why aren't, you know, a lot of people in sort of the recovery community, I think are pretty focused on the food. I was in overeaters anonymous for a really long time. And in overeaters anonymous, the answer is to just stick to your meal plan, no matter what. And like food is an addiction and, um, you know, just, you know, it's, it's like alcohol. You just got to stick to your meal plan and, and, you know, pray to God in between kind of thing. And I learned a lot of really wonderful spiritual lessons there. And I'm very hesitant to kind of criticize Overeaters anonymous, but the concept of it didn't, it didn't seem to be addressing any of the underlying issues for me in a lot of ways, which were that, you know, really, you know, you're, which are really about being okay with being imperfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that's, um, that's something, you know, I actually just heard this, you know, from Mastin Kipp during his extravaganza, and he was saying that, you know, food addiction is a little bit different than the other ones, and I'm sure you've heard this many times in the sense that you don't need a beer every single day to live, you don't need to do cocaine every single day to live, but you got to eat food. It's got to be part of your life. So you can't just quit cold turkey and you can't just go into these programs and follow them that way. And, yes, there's a lot of emotional stuff with drugs and alcohol, but there's a whole lot of it with food. And because it's always been part of your life, I think. And I think with the drugs and with the alcohol, there's emotional stuff, but you didn't grow up with it. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully not, but, you know, you didn't grow up you know having an issue with alcohol or drugs or whatever so releasing that stuff um and not to say that that is easy in any way but i think right. it's a different animal would you agree with that
1: yeah 100% it's a totally different animal the way i often try to simplify it or kind of parallel them the ways in which they are similar is not really about the similarity between food being a drug versus you know heroin being a drug the similarity is that The way heroin is a drug, the way heroin gets you high, it's actually the obsession with food, I think, that gets you higher than anything else. It's not the food itself. It's like how you talk to yourself around the food, like the power that you give food power. Food isn't powerful in and of itself. And that's where people get really tripped up. You know, a lot of women are running around thinking the answer to their food addiction in quotes is just forcing yourself, is, is, is trying harder to stick to that diet. The answer is in finding the perfect meal plan. The answer is figuring out, you know, what your trigger foods are, you know, dot, dot, dot. The answer is about the food. And the answer isn't really about the food. The answer is about how you feel about yourself around the food.
0: Right. Preach it. I love that. And I'm this totally segued here. This, I had this down further on the list, but willpower is not a thing. I learned that from you. Could you expand on that a little bit? It's something I finally, um, I'm going to just like straight up pat myself on the back here. Like since my work with you and, and, and what I've learned from you and um, your work, willpower is not a thing has been something I've been able to incorporate in my life. Could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I love that. Willpower is not, that's one of my favorites. Um, so, and, and critically important to understand because thinking willpower is a thing. And when I say willpower is a thing, basically, I mean that will, you know, believing that willpower is the answer, believing that just forcing yourself to follow a certain diet or meal plan or whatever is, is the only answer is what keeps us in the diet, you know, diet binge cycle forever. It's what, that is the problem. Um, if willpower were a thing, If willpower, you know, worked and were like the answer to our problems, I think a lot of us would not have food problems. I mean, like women, it is so degrading to women to think that. Every woman who has struggles to control themselves around food doesn't have willpower it's like these are women who are running the goddamn world like these are women who are running companies and you know driving themselves into the ground and and you know raising families raising children they are incredibly incredibly powerful women and they're made to feel badly about themselves because they think they can't get their food under control when really, you know, when you have an emotional relationship with food, when you're good or bad, when you're okay or not okay revolves around what you're eating, you know, willpower is, I mean, it's just not ever strong enough to overcome an emotional relationship to food. It's, it's never, willpower is never going to win in a fight against that drive, that urge to feel better, whatever that means. Like we reach for food because we need, we are coping food, eating food outside of when we, you know, when is appropriate, however you want to define that. I don't even really care how you define that. Eating food outside of when, when you need it is a coping mechanism that we have for a reason. You know, we eat food to deal with underlying issues that aren't being resolved in other ways, So if you are making the underlying reason, if you are ignoring the underlying reason, if you are ignoring the fact that you're eating because you're so stressed out, you can barely stand it. If you're ignoring the fact that you're eating over the fact that like you feel fat and don't want to, you know, have sex with your husband anymore or, you know, whatever, whatever issue is underlying, if you're ignoring those real core issues that are driving you and just make it all about the food and make it all about your willpower over the food, like, those emotional drivers, like, your body's, like, natural instinct to cope with life is so much stronger than your willpower. Like, your willpower, no matter how strong it is, doesn't stand a chance against that emotional survival instinct to want to take care of ourselves. We have survival instincts to want to take care of ourselves. Eating is a survival instinct, okay? It's it's not there just because we're, like, you know, effed up and have this like little food problem in a vacuum. Food problems don't happen in a vacuum. They're about dealing with dealing with what's really going on. Um so yeah, so that's that's kind of the underlying issue. The yeah. underlying concept behind willpower is not a thing, It's just that your your urges to eat are never ever going to be weak. They're, right. never, they're always going to be stronger than your willpower.
0: Right. I think um that was great. And I, I also think people really don't fully understand. I know I did it until recently. How freaking smart our bodies are. Yeah. Like, I one of the things that really drove home this concept for me. I'll just tell a little story. I um had a cooking in- injury, um, actually two in like within like six months of each other. <laughs> I where I needed stitches in the kitchen, knife injuries, and I. It really drove, I think I had to have that, like I created that event happening in my life to teach me the lesson of, you know, first of all, slow down. I don't need to prove anything to anybody with my cooking. I think that was part of it. But then also part of it was um, I really learned the lesson of how smart our bodies are. They can literally grow back together Mm -hmm. if we just let our skin be. It literally grows back together wow, you know, and that to me really drove home the fact that you know what, if you are in a social situation, and you eat a little bit more than you maybe your diet mind wanted to, or whatever you do, like your body's gonna balance itself out naturally. It's just what happens because of how we were hardwired. And that is just really cool. And when you can actually fully understand that, like maybe you hear me say it or you hear Isabel say it and it, it may like sound like, okay, that, that seems right. You know, that's, that's logical. But until you really understand that, I don't think you'll really be able to honor
1: your body fully. Mm-hmm. And, well, and you have to trust your body in order right. to honor it, you know, trust and honoring are the same thing. Right, you know, right. Like, it, it, you know, honoring your body requires trusting your body. They are they're the same thing. It's about esteem, right? It's about, you know, saying like, I, I love you, I trust you, I respect you. That's what, you know, honoring your body is. So trust is an, an inherent part of honoring your body. You know, anyone, if you are honoring your body by forcing it to be a certain way, forcing it to, you know, eat certain foods outside of what it maybe truly wants. That's not honoring your body. That's trying to manipulate your body right
0: Right. Cool. Well, okay, let's go back a little bit here. So what advice would you say for people just getting started on this? you know they they know their relationship with food is super messed up. They maybe need to lose weight, maybe need to gain weight wherever they are. Um, but they need to get started in some way could you give us kind of your go-to ways for people to get started on their path of getting a grip with their relationship with food maybe a couple of practical things um, to get started
1: with maybe like even like a little step by step yeah I mean there's there's kind of two elements of this right there's the it's about the food right like it's about like de- developing a relationship new relationship with your body so like some basic practical tools around how to have a different goal with food, like to think about food itself in a different way, would be things like okay, if you want to transition into eating what your body wants, you first need to start listening to your body. Period. You know, I think that women who have been dieting and are really screwed up around food for a really, really long time, they don't even know what hunger feels like most of the time, um, because you know maybe they've just they've just been completely ignoring it for so long. You know, they don't even know what you know. Satisfaction feels like. Like they are, they have been out of practice in listening. So, you know, when it comes to starting to, if you. Are somebody who's like completely new and, you know, been dieting like crazy and manipulating yourself like crazy. And you just want to play around with the idea of maybe transitioning into a more intuitive way of eating, um, you know, eating really according to your body and being able to make healthy choices, you know, sort of naturally on your own without obsessing about calories or, you know, trying not to eat when you, because you like went over the, your limit for that day or whatever it is. Um, the first thing is just start to notice your body signals. Like non-judgmentally, you don't need to do anything. Like you could even theoretically be on a quote-unquote diet or be on a quote-unquote meal plan and start to just, you know, pay attention. How does my body feel before and after I eat? You know, like when women are first in – when they first – if you have somebody who's been like restricting really heavily or been really, really out of touch with their body for a long time and they're just like past the point of – like being able to even hear their body signals at all and they really need to sort of readjust, I'll often recommend that 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 person or actually be on a meal plan for, you know, a few days that's, you know, quote-unquote diagnosed by like an actual clinician, like an actual nutritionist or somebody who can tell them what's a healthy amount of food for them to be eating for their body type and to just start to notice when you're eating a quote unquote like normal amount of food how do you feel like what does your body feel like when do you feel hungry before you eat do you feel full afterwards to what extent do you want to use a hunger scale from a, you know scale from 1 to 10 there's a lot of different ways to to kind of work on that for somebody who's a little bit more far out like maybe they can feel their hunger and fullness but they're just been dieting and they're just obsessed with food you know i think a lot of that also just goes back to you know, can you for one, even just for one day, even though it's scary, play around with the idea of trying to eat when you're hungry? Like, just jump into the pool, like trying and eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full, knowing that you might fuck up, and that's okay. You know, so it really depends on sort of like where you are when you start this. Right. Um, you kind of have to. Everyone, I think, really, it. I think most women who come to my website are in different places when they start so it's all kind of like depends on the person Um,
0: right and probably have different goals for sure Um, something that I've been riveted by and I know you talked a lot about this in your recent telecast um, was the hunger and fullness diet Um, and I think you were kind of getting to that with what you're talking about here could you address that a little bit
1: yeah, so that's sort of like the emotional side of things. So that's sort of like the physical like basics. One, What I just described is sort of like basics of intuitive eating, right? And there's so much literature on the internet about intuitive eating and like hunger-directed eating, mindful eating. I mean, this is just like you could Google intuitive eating and like there's going to be a billion hits and a billion books that you can buy to kind of learn about how to read your body signals. What I teach, which is a little bit more sort of next level above that, is how to get around the emotional stuff, is how to deal with the fact that you don't want to wait until you're hungry because, like, you just, like, want to eat those brownies right now. Or you just, like, need to get home and, like, order Chinese food takeout so that you can just zone out in front of the television. Or you just can't wait for your partner to fall asleep so that you can, like, run into the kitchen and start eating Nutella out of the jar with a spoon. You know, like, that type of stuff. Um, And that's really that's emotional, you know, like that's really emotional. And, um, you could know when you're hungry and know when you're full all day long, but that it's not going to sort of deal with that, that issue. So hunger and fullness diet is one aspect of is really about relinquishing shame and judgment around food, which I believe is sort of the ultimate cause of binge eating specifically. Um, I also distinguish between binge eating and emotional eating. Binge eating is like reactionary to deprivation. It's a reaction to shame, judgment, feeling badly about our eating behaviors. It has It's a reaction to to our judgment of our own food choices. Um, emotional eating is like straight up I'm eating over feelings. I'm eating because I'm lonely. I'm eating because I'm anxious. I'm eating because I'm bored. Um, and you may
0: not be aware of that too I think is, is something else.
1: Well, those are that's a really good thing to start to notice if you're new to this. Is one of the first assignments I usually give women is can you distinguish when you're okay, so we've if you're at the point where you know when you're hungry and you know when you're full, meaning like you know when you're eating because you physically need it and you know when you're eating because of something else. Is that something else emotional eating, meaning like you're just straight up eating because of a feeling, like you're eating because you're lonely, anxious, bored, whatever, or is it because you're shame eating? Is it because you feel guilty? Is it like spiraling out of control? Like, I fell off my diet and I suck and I need to, I'll start tomorrow. So I better just like eat everything now because tomorrow I need to restrict myself again. And so the hunger and fullness diet is basically, you know, the idea that, you know, I think that some women start trying to eat intuitively and they become obsessed with, I just gotta wait until I'm hungry. And then I just got to stop when I'm full and then everything will be fine. And they're not actually dealing with any of the underlying emotional stuff. They're creating an enormous amount of judgment for themselves when they do eat outside of hunger and fullness, which, by the way, is going to happen. Like, that is life. Like, that is – you're going to get invited to dinner at 6 p.m. one night when you ate lunch at 3. And that's just fine. Like, you can still – eat according to your body's signals and not hurt yourself with food in that situation um, without, you know, feeling like you did something wrong, like you did nothing wrong. Um, So that's really what the, you know, I use the term hunger and fullness diet as like a huge joke to make fun of what how people manipulate intuitive eating. You know, I think intuitive eating, a lot of people say they're eating intuitively, they're trying to eat intuitively, and they are missing the point. You know, they're right. totally missing the point. They're, they're just on another diet. They're just using a different set of rules that they can rationalize as being healthier. Yes. And that's, it's like what it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a big joke, you know? Right? right, right,
0: right. And and that's what I, and that's what I love about it. Honestly, like when I first heard that term and that it, it's a satire really, um, yeah, it to me really resonated. Cause I'll, I'll just be very candid here. I was totally on that, you know, totally mindful eating, mindful eating to the point where it was like, Okay, I'm having dinner with that person at 6. Okay, let me back into that. That will be a snack at 4. That will be lunch at 12. That will be smoothie. Okay, got it. Should I set alarms on my phone? You know, that kind of crazy town with the food, right?
1: Yeah. And,
0: you know, just thinking, like, I want to be hungry at that time so I can enjoy a meal with them, but I'm going to have to literally back into this, make my day around this, and then (laughs) – pretty much what you're doing, which I really realized when I, when I heard the hunger and fullness diet the first time from you is that I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. And I, you could even call it the waiting to eat diet, you know, because really you're just like filling your time with other activities because I was to the point where I was so uber healthy orthorexia, whatever you want to call it, where I was, you know, I'd have like my, my smoothie in the morning or something and I was done and I felt this like sadness that, or this like excitement, sadness, it was over. And excitement for lunch or the next time that I could eat, whether it was lunch or whether I, the next time I felt those hunger pains, you know, the next time I was my, I heard my stomach growling. I was legit excited for, and I was, and I would literally think, okay, what can I do to fill my time until then and be productive? Like, okay, I can do homework. I can write a blog post. I can, you know, go on a walk. I'm going to get these things done. And then I'm going to get that reward, which is my lunch or my dinner or whatever it was. And I was literally doing my days that way and structuring my days so much around food that it was, what can I get done in between the time I ate in between my next meal and obsessing over that next meal, looking forward it, looking forward it to that point where it really affected my whole day that, that, and then from you and from that hunger and fullness diet, I really realized that 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 not only is not a healthy way to be, but you're gonna fall out of that by no fault of your own. Just that's how society is, and it's part of life, and it's part of the wonderful joy of life. And food is freaking part of that, and that's okay. And I, I think that you know it's something I'm still working on, but it's something that um, to really understand that and to really get that is like taking shackles off of you and, like, coming out of jail, really, if you have someone who has struggled with that. So I think that 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 was really huge for me to understand.
1: Totally, totally. And and what I'm about to say is kind of radical, but, you know, I think that there's something to say about the fact that, you know, one of the problems with the hunger and fullness diet, like you said, is like, well, what if you fall off the wagon, right? Like, well, what if you eat something emotionally when you're not hunger, hungry, you know, are you going to beat yourself up and hate yourself over it and, you know, potentially spiral into binge eating and, you know, other self-harming behaviors and, you know, even just the hate yourself part is enough to like, I don't want to go there. And so, you know, I think that one of the things that i I will say that I think very few people will say is what if it was not morally wrong to eat something when you were lonely? You know, like obviously there are better coping mechanisms out there in the world, and we want to be developing healthier coping mechanisms than food because we love ourselves and we want to take care ourselves, take care of ourselves to the best that we can. But there's nothing inherently morally wrong with like eating a cupcake at three o'clock in the afternoon for no reason.
0: Right. You know, it's just, I'm trying to think of something else to compare it to, but, you know, like, or like reading a trashy magazine or, um, you know, like something like that, whatever, um, isn't probably the best thing for you morally. But if it makes you feel good in the moment, totally do it. You know, same thing, same thing with food. And I think um, that's something that people can get really freaked out about even on that hunger fullness diet. And I think a lot of that comes to, well, if I do it this one time, then I'm a sham, then it's over, scrap the whole thing. Gluten all day long. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's that's where it becomes a problem. You know, when it spirals, that's where it becomes a problem. So there's some things I think people have to just know, like, okay, that's a trigger for me, you know, I'm gonna not I'm gonna not involve myself with that for a while because it's so hard for me. Um, do you yeah. think that that's something that um, people can kind of say, like, you know what? There's such an emotional thing for me with around this particular food. Let's say it's tortilla chips, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to cut off all tortilla chips for right now until I get a hold of that emotionally. Do you think that's a good tactic for people to do, or is that too restrictive?
1: I mean, I think I am of the mind – that everyone goes at this in their own pace and everyone knows their own boundaries, whatever they may be. That being said, you're never going to make peace with tortilla chips by not allowing yourself to eat them. And at the end of the day, when you are triggered to eat some, when there's a food in quotes that you feel like, oh my God, when I eat that food, I spiral out of control. You know, I feel like, you know, like you even said it, like there was this tone of like, I've, I've, I've fallen out of, I've fallen off the wagon. There was, like, almost, like, this feeling of, like, I've fallen off the wagon, like, I'm going to eat this whole bag, and it just spirals out of control. It's, like, I think that there's something to be said for, if you were, okay, radically okay with eating an entire bag of of tortilla chips, you probably wouldn't do it. Right. And... I think that that's the place where it's like, okay, are you ready or not ready? Because a lot of women are, are not ready to be radically okay with eating an entire bag of tortilla chips. And the reason for that, there's many reasons. It could be control issues. It could be other things that women can, can sort of work out on their own. I think a lot of times it's weight related. I think a lot, 95% of the time it's body image related, which again is why I go back Always, always, always. If you are not, this work cannot be done to the fullest extent that it needs to be done without a foundation of radical body acceptance.
0: Yeah, and I think um, getting to that point where you really think about how a food is going to make you feel rather than what you're going to get for it in the moment, thinking, you know, how you want to feel 45 minutes after your meal or 10 minutes after your meal instead of how you're going to feel during or whatever but you know and then going off of that you know as I'm as I'm saying and I'm thinking but you know what sometimes that emotional stuff is just too strong in there anyways
1: exactly I don't think that that I think a lot of women try to do that and that's where they fail because like a lot of women that's like saying you know Oh, well, you know, it's like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels like you can say that to yourself like all day long, but it doesn't work um, for very long because that emotional urge to eat will always be greater than your motivation to lose 10 pounds or maybe even your motivation to, you know, whatever. I think that the, when it becomes the, 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 miracle of an allowance based methodology, which is what I call my work, you know, meaning when you truly do sort of allow yourself and relinquish the judgment, shame force from the equation, sort of the miracle of that is, is that you, you naturally start to want to eat according to your body's natural signals because you can hear your body when you're not trying to force it, you know, there's something to be said for There's a really, really great sort of idea that I think I've talked about in a blog maybe like years ago, like a really long time ago that I barely even referenced, which is that your brain doesn't hear negatives. So when you tell yourself, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, all your brain hears is Mm. eat, 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 eat. Wow.
0: That's really powerful.
1: Yeah. So like when I, you know, when I say when I talk to women, when I talk to women who are like, I'm not judging myself, I'm not shaming myself, I'm not falling into that like spiral binge eating place of like, oh, I did something wrong, I'm going to go punish myself with food. Like, that's not happening. But maybe I'm just like eating emotionally a little bit. Like, I'm just like noticing that I'm like wanting to eat cupcakes and chocolate for no reason in the middle of the afternoon. You know, the answer is not to tell yourself don't eat cupcakes, don't eat chocolate. Don't that's when you start. That's when emotional eating will eventually turn into binge eating because that's basically like the hunger and fullness diet or like it's some, it's a form of emotional deprivation. Okay. But when we understand that, all emotional eating is, is a coping, me- all it is, it's a coping mechanism that has a function. Like when you understand that there is a reason why you want to eat cupcakes and you start solving your real problems in other ways, your desire for cupcakes and chocolates in the middle of the afternoon will naturally disintegrate. So instead of approaching emotional eating from a place of don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, start approaching it from a place of how can I start developing healthy coping mechanisms whether I eat or not? Because yeah. I know that when I develop healthier coping mechanisms, I know when I start solving my real problems in real ways, the emotional eating is gonna naturally fall off without force. The second I try and force myself to not eat, not eat, not eat, and not eat, all my brain's gonna hear is eat, 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 eat.
0: Nice. I mean, this is. These tips are just, like, I, I can't wait to go back and listen to this myself, just because all of this, everything that you say is so deep, and it's so logical, and just, like, makes sense, but at the same time, it's one of those things I have to, like, repeat to myself two or three times and say, okay, wow, and really, like, let it sink in. So just, there's just been so much here that's been so good. I actually haven't even asked one question on my little list yet, and <laughs> they're already, like, way in, so... I just have so many things I need to ask you. Um, but yeah. getting, getting back on track a little – we've totally been on track this whole time because it's all been amazing. But um, something I definitely want to get to is how do you help people when their perfect size or their perfect size for their body, their set point weight, where their body is supposed to be, is different than – or higher um, – than where they're comfortable with mentally, where they um, feel that they want to be. I think oftentimes people who struggled with eating disorders or any kind of dieting um, really at at all, um, and just most people in our freaking society, um, their set point weight or their natural weight um, is probably going to be different than maybe where they want to be mentally. How do you help people get comfortable with that?
1: Yeah, so that's, you know, obviously a straight up body image question, right? Like, how do you, you know, the answer to that is obviously, like, again, like, you need to make peace with your body. And I think one of the immediate problems or difficulties with that right off the bat is that women are like, well, I don't want to accept my body, so I'm just going to go back to dieting. And the first most important and most critical step to actually getting to a place of body acceptance is just being willing to want it. You know, like just being willing to want body acceptance. You know, I think a lot of women hear the word, you know, positive body image or, you know, you're beautiful the way they are. And they're like, no, I'm not. I don't want to accept my body. All I want is to be thin. Don't try to make me love my body. I don't want that. I don't want to accept myself. I just want to lose 20 pounds. And for those women, the question that I always have to ask them is, okay, I hear you, but you're going to have to make a decision about what's more important to you. Yeah. Okay. 20 pounds or being crazy town. Like, is 20 pounds worth your sanity and why? Get really, really clear on that. Because if your sanity is not worth, you know, the extra five pounds or whatever, you know, you're screwed. Like, that's, I can't work with that. You know, no one can work with that. Like, that's right. something that, like, you have to want sanity. You have to want it.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really huge here too. Um, also like, you know, going on with that, how do you coach people to, who, um, are waiting to live their life until the weight comes off or until it could be anything, you know, until the skin clears up or until the really shitty haircut grows out or whatever it is that people are literally holding themselves back, um, for the, like you said, you know, when I'm skinny, everything will be great in college. And, you know, uh, obviously you realize that that wasn't the case. But um, Mm -hmm. how do you help people to go out and continue to live their lives even, you know, while things are transitioning?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like the, um, you know, sort of the live more way less mentality. I don't know how many of you out there know Sarah Jenks. Um, if not, you should check her out. She's pretty cool. But she kind of talks about this whole idea of what I just mentioned before, which is that you don't need to try to stop emotionally eating. If you just start dealing with your life in other ways and start filling yourself up with richness and fun and beauty and you know, create a wonderful life for yourself at the weight you are, the eating naturally becomes less important, right? So there's that aspect of it is sort of like, Filling your life up and being willing to create the life of your dreams now is sort of a strategy in and of itself for overcoming emotional eating. And I think that that's very motivating for people because it speaks to women's natural inclination to want to stop eating emotionally and lose weight. You know, that's why the whole concept of, you know, Sarah Jenks concept, which is live more, weigh less, work so well. Because it's still appealing to women's sensibility of like, oh, well, if I like live my life and I do all these fun things, I'm I'm going to lose weight. Um, then there's the flip side of that, which is, well, what if you don't lose weight? Or like, what if your natural body size is bigger than you want it to be? Then it becomes a conversation about, are you willing to create the life of your dreams now? Because otherwise you may never.
0: Right, right. That and that's powerful. And I think that's something that a lot of people, um, have to get to. And just, again, it, I think it all kind of goes back to body image. And I think that that's just really, really paramount here. Um, totally. but okay, now I want to get, I want to get personal with you. Um, <laughs> if that's cool, I want to ask a little bit about Um, when did you decide that you wanted to make this work and helping people um, through this your um, career? And how did you make that transition? And um, why was that important for you to do?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think that a big it kind of happened by accident and a lot of it had to do with, again, there's so much misinformation out there and so many people spewing bullshit on this topic. And, you know, I have a really strong, you know, I have a pretty strong opinions about this topic. And uh, I think that there's a lot of people who are, you know, and there's just so many, there's so much misunderstanding, so many differences amongst people out there and no one, I couldn't really find anyone who really was speaking to my experience, um, which is I think why I felt really compelled to share it. Like there were a ton of people out there being like, Well, when you wanna eat a brownie, like take a warm bath, mm-hmm. go for a walk. And I'd be like, I can't do that. I wanna eat a pan of brownies right now. And um, you know, there was just no there was just no one really talking on that like level of you know, whatever you want to call it, of honesty, of, you know, just dealing with the real issues. There were, I just felt like I finally got to a place in my own recovery, if you will, although I don't really like to use that word because, you know, I, I, when I really kind of got to the place I am now, I think I got there because I kind of stopped thinking of myself as a broken person and that was a big part of my really getting to the place I am now. Um, and yeah, it was really just about like, I felt like there was this lack, like I felt like there was this hole in what was available to women. And I, I knew enough women dealing what I was dealing with. I knew I wasn't the only one who was, you know, standing outside of the fridge with the door open, you know, eating condiments with her fingers, hoping no one caught her. Um, I knew that wasn't just me. And I started writing about it. You know, I just had a really simple blog. It was like something I made by myself in WordPress. I'm not tech savvy. It was just really simple. And people reacted really strongly to it and were like, Oh my God, I I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's sort of the beginning of that. What else
0: were you doing at that time, Isabel?
1: I was working at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which happened to be a certification program for health and wellness professionals, health coaches, which is what I am doing now, which was kind of a joke at the time because when I first enrolled at Integrative Nutrition, I mean, I knew emotional eating was something. I was still on my emotional eating journey when I enrolled in that program, but I hadn't yet figured it out by any means. So it was kind of just like more of a seeking the answers kind of move. Um, And then eventually, I did get to this place and started writing. And then kind of like all the chips just sort of aligned. And I happened to have the certification and all this information about how to move forward with this career path. And, you know, I was very, you know, lucky and blessed to have, you know, friends and professionals in my, you know, sort of extended network who could guide me in taking my work from being, you know, a borderline secret blog that I shared (laughs) with my friends to, you know, a real website that I could um, start to develop, that I could start to develop sort of more of a following with and start really sharing my information, you know, in mass.
0: Right, right. And I I would actually argue to say that when you're in line with what you're when you're aligned with what you're supposed to be doing, those people that you said that helped you will show up because you are so freaking meant to teach this and help people with this that the universe just has to line up for you to do that. And I think that that's definitely what happened with you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it definitely there definitely was some divine intervention, I have to say. I mean, you know, when I signed up for integrative nutrition, I did not know that this was going to happen to me. And, um, but when it, when I was ready for it, I magically also had these tools in this network and I was like, all right, like this, I can do this. Let's go for it. So it just, it just made sense.
0: Right, right. Um, I think, I think that's great. And I think that's definitely an inspiring story for people transitioning careers or just wanting to share something you're passionate about. I think when you have a niche or when you have, a need out there for something, and you can fill that to go for it. And I think that 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 part of what you did is is super inspiring and and definitely something people can learn from.
1: Totally. That's, like, my biggest suggestion to entrepreneurs is I feel like so many people out there are just like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I just need to, like, think of my business plan. And I'm like, your business plan will find you. Right. What are you good at? Yeah. Like, if you just start, like, focusing on, like, doing what you're passionate about, reading what you're passionate about. You know, just start, just start just literally as cheesy as it sounds, like being yourself and just start taking note of what that person even does.
0: Right. Your business plan will
1: find you. Yeah.
0: I think authenticity is just, just grand in, in every area of life. But, but especially with transitioning to what you are supposed to be doing and just to bring it all back to food and emotional eating, I think when those other areas are in check, and when you are being authentic in your career and in your life, um, you're going to be able to be more authentic in the kitchen, and the door of the fridge will will be closed when you're eating. You know, and I think mm-hmm. I think that that's that's it's all obviously super holistic and super all combined. But just to bring our little conversation full circle, um, that's definitely what I would say. But. Totally. Staying um, personal with you here, since you are um, definitely have released your emotional stuff with food, and at our are at a really good point in your life. Um, can I ask you some personal questions, just as like inspiration to um, other people, and kind of how you live your life with food?
1: Yeah, please, please, please. please. Okay, sweet.
0: All right, cool. So I'm gonna give you a little scenario. Is that cool? Awesome. You ready?
1: I love right. these. I'm really great with these. <laughs> okay,
0: sweet. All right, cool. So it's um, 8 p.m. We'll say you've just had a long day. You haven't eaten dinner. You're beat, but you're starving. Um, maybe you're a little hangry, as you know we like to say. And what do you eat/slash make? Go pick up. What what is your go-to?
1: Um I mean it really depends on just what I'm in the mood for. You know, if I'm a little hangry and I'm a little bit um you know wanting comfort food, like I think that that's okay. You know, like if I'm if I'm feeling like I had a bad day, like I might go get some, you know, noodles or something. I mean, I think that there's something to be said for I I definitely challenge the idea that food we needs to be void of emotion. Um you know, I, I think there's that. something to be said for, you know, it's, I, I was, it was an, it's actually another coach that taught me it's pretty impossible to remove emotion from food. I mean, it's this idea that food is not just fuel and you are, and we are not machines. So if I'm, you know, really just like wanting some comfort from a bad day and I'm hungry and I'm hungry for it and I want something and my body wants some, you know, some pad Thai, I'll eat it. Like that's, Okay. There is nothing wrong with that. Um that being said, when I'm, you know, I always give myself what I need. So, you know, sometimes if I'm really like if I'm sick or worn out or like I feel like my body's really tired, I usually do choose more nourishing foods that are like a little bit less inflammatory because that's gonna that I know that my body just knows that that will make it feel better you know like I naturally gravitate towards something that I feel like is going to make me feel physically better you know I'm very in touch with you know do I feel is my throat a little itchy you know do I feel I'm very sensitive to inflammation in particular and also like alkaline and like acidity like I for some reason, I don't know if it's just in my head. It might be like, I might be totally full of it. It might just be, you know, placebo effect. I don't know. But like, I feel like I can feel when my body feels like a little like acidy and I need to like eat something green or I can feel when I'm like really worn out and I need to just eat something kind of like low inflammation, just like a little like chicken and tuna fish kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, excuse me. You know, vegetables and tuna whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, so it really, I mean, it really depends, but you know, the bottom line is no matter what choice I make in that moment, you know, if it's really like I'm, sometimes it might be a convenience moment, you know, maybe I just, maybe I just want to eat the easiest thing I can possibly eat. Like maybe I just want to eat whatever's fastest and that's also okay. The point is, is whatever reason I choose to eat a certain food is fine.
0: I love that. I love that. And I love you saying that you honor honor your body in that way, and I, it made something else that's kind of unrelated um, come up for me that I just kind of want to tell you about. So I had um, Robin Euclid, who I know you know, on the show um, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking mindful eating, mm-hmm. and she said to me this really powerful thing that kind of made me do a double take, and she was like, you know, I mindfully eat at my desk, and I have this little Buddha, and it's so great, and the Buddha... Watches me eat, and and I'm like, wow, you know, that's rad, that's amazing. Like, you know, no TV, no, you know, whatever, all that stuff. It's great, and I, you know, I've been super into mindful eating ever since it was required in my yoga teacher training, and and you know, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's great. But one thing that Robin said, she said, but you know what? Sometimes after I'm done mindful eating, I just you know want to have my apple slices while I search the internet and just like kind of surf and eat my apple slices. And I let myself do it, and it's okay, and I think it's great. And I was like – I did double take, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Excuse me? And then I realized – I was like, okay. Like, I think I've been on – definitely used to be on the hunger fullness diet, and, you know, still transitioning out of it. Definitely was on the mindful eating diet too, to the point where it's like I was so consumed with like, um, no, no external destructions must, must think the farmers must think until it's like, oh my God, no, like I just want to eat and I want to eat quickly and I want to surf the internet or watch TV and like, that's okay. You know, that's part of it. And I think, you know, that's another like satire diet we can kind of make fun of too, is like the mindful eating diet and Mm -hmm. like taking that to another step. And I'm sure, um, you can relate to that too, is just like, you know, I think moderation kind of is key here on all of this stuff. You know, totally. I mean, I
1: love Robin so much. You know, Robin actually got me into integrative nutrition. She was the, she is the reason. She referred me to integrative nutrition. She's the reason that I am a health coach.
0: Oh my god, Uh, I love that. I love her.
1: I love. Yeah, she's great.
0: Shout out to Robin.
1: Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. I Anyways, yeah, too. so
0: I, I just love that for sure. But yeah,
1: okay, so she, she nailed it. I mean, she nailed, she nailed it. it. Like I I am. For me, this work really boils down to just like being okay with whatever choice you make, regardless of whether or not it's like a writer, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it ends up being. Like in like a radical sense, you could be like being okay with binging, even if you binge. You know, like that right. kind of thing. Like that radical. Like it's okay because when it's not okay, is when shit starts. When shit hits the fan. And, um, you know, I think that that's really sort of the bottom line is that like we do live in a world where life happens and food above all needs to be flexible. Like Mm -hmm. normal eating is I've heard.
0: I love that food above all needs to be flexible. Exactly.
1: Ellen Satter, who's an awesome person who you should check out said that. That's her definition. Her definition of normal eating is one of the most beautiful definitions I've ever heard, and it is that basically, above all, normal eating is flexible. Um, I can actually read you her definition right now. It'll probably blow your mind. Mm -hmm. Hold on one second, if you'll bear with me. This is probably like the best closing remark I could ever think of.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing, and I definitely want to hear that, and then I want to challenge you, um, and I know we've This is longer than the normal podcast, but this will be a special edition. We'll just make it work. But I want to do a couple quick-fire questions with you after you read us that definition. Are you down for that?
1: I totally am down for that. I love that. But yeah, so this is the normal. What is normal eating? This is Ellen Satter's definition. She wrote a book called Feeding the Healthy Family, which is just genius. Um, And this is her definition. Normal eating is going to the table hungry and eating until you are satisfied. It is being able to choose food you like, and eat it, and truly get enough of it. Not just stop eating because you think you should. Normal eating is being able to give some thought to your food selection so you get nutritious food, but not being so wary and restrictive that you miss out on enjoyable food. Normal eating is giving yourself permission to eat sometimes because you're happy, sad, or bored, or just because it feels good. Normal eating is mostly three meals a day, or four, or five, or it can be choosing to munch along the way. It is leaving some cookies on the plate because you, can, you know you can have some again tomorrow, or it is eating more now because they taste so wonderful. Normal eating is overeating at times, feeling stuffed and uncomfortable, and it can be undereating at times and wishing you had more. Normal eating is trusting your body to make up for your mistakes in eating. Normal eating takes up some of your time and attention, but it keeps its place as only one important area of your life. In short, normal eating is flexible. It varies in response to your hunger, your schedule, your proximity to food, and your feelings.
0: Mm. Ellen! Ellen, coming in with the zinger at the end. Man, I mean, that is amazing. And um, I'm just going to put this out there. I've actually heard that before. That was given to me um, on a piece of paper. The first day I walked into this dietitian's office when I was at the height of my eating disorder, whatever you want to call it, height of my stuff. And I've never even gotten really real with this with my readers. But I think everyone needs to hear that but i also think that that can be super scary for people and yeah. i think hearing that when you're at the height of a unhealthy relationship with food you can think yeah 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 but i can't have all the cookies in front of me cuz i just won't or in in if you're thinking that way it's it's you're still not quite there yet because you have to be it's okay if you do, it's okay if you eat the whole plate, it's okay, you know, and, and that is something that it really takes time, um, to get through, and I think patience, um, to get to that point where you really think the way that Ellen is talking about.
1: Totally, I mean, this is like the pinnacle, this is like the ultimate goal, and, you know, which is, of course, like, this is like my ultimate, you know, I think of this as the, the penultimate, but, um, You know, there's something to be said for, you know, if you're just, if you're just working towards this, and again, I think that working towards this ultimately also means doing a lot of work around body image stuff. Obviously, again, can't stress enough. This work has to be founded on a foundation of like positive body image, I think. Um, But, but ultimately, this definition of food, you know, if you can't, if it's, it's not we're never saying you need to eat an entire box of cookies. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to also be where you are. Like that's sort of, I think part of the point of this is like, it's okay to be where you are, wherever that is, you know, whatever you do with food is okay. It's not when what something that I say in my teleclass that you were actually a participant in is it's not what you eat, how much you eat. It's not about the food. The definition of normal eating is not about the food itself it's about how you feel about yourself and your relationship to the food. Mm. You know, period. So um yeah, so that's That is
0: amazing. Of- that is amazing. All right. Well, let's wrap with some quick fire questions. You ready for it?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, favorite color. Blue. Blue. Nice. Okay. Where and when were you the happiest?
1: Oh god. Um
0: that was quite a contrast in question there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I would say I was the – I mean, I'm pretty happy, I think, right now. I'm about to move to Washington, D.C., oh, wow. and I'm really excited about that. My boyfriend, who I love, lives there, and um, I'm just excited to – to be where I am in my life right now, everything is really good, and I'm in this sort of beautiful transition that's like equally scary and happy. And um, and I think I think I think I don't think I could ask for a more happy moment than where I am right now.
0: Oh my god, that's beautiful! and, Like warms my heart, makes me want to cry. I love it. Thanks. Um, <laughs>
1: Thanks.
0: Okay, what's your favorite go to snack?
1: Um, probably. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, well at IIN they ask us this question every time we hire a new employee and it's always like your favorite healthful or your favorite unhealthful. I don't know how I feel about that, but there's a part of me that wants to say chocolate covered almonds and there's another part of me that wants to say grapefruits.
0: Nice. Well, you can say both. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What is your favorite New York city meal?
1: Um uh, that's a good question. Probably there is um there's my favorite sushi restaurant is the sushi restaurant called Yama on uh, 17th Street and Irving Place. There's actually a few locations for it, but, like, I love sushi, and this particular sushi, I think, is, like, the best, juiciest, just, like, most awesome sushi ever, Um, mainly because I've been going there since I was 10, and I just think I have... I think I have emotional attachments to that food, you know, like, positive emotional. Like, this is where, like, you can't separate emotion from food, and that's okay. Um, Like, I just love the sushi place. Like, they know me there. It's really warm and you know I've been eating the exact same like spicy tuna roll like since I was you know literally probably 10 years old and I just love it so I love
0: that I love that yeah so okay do you have the same thing for breakfast every day or what is your go-to for breakfast
1: um, my go-to for breakfast is probably um, I'm a nut butters person in general. So like banana with nut butter is always like something usually a part of my breakfast. And generally I like to try to have like eggs with that or something. Um, I definitely like, Meat and eggs, and you know i'm I would never call myself like a paleo person, but like I for me like I don't know that just works. like feels good to me, yeah, so I usually do eat um you know some kind of like animal protein uh at I would say most of my meals, please don't hate me oh no. um, yeah no,
0: that, I think that's an intuitive thing to know that that works for you
1: yeah, yeah, I don't know why it does it just does yeah um,
0: vibes with you
1: okay exactly um and so yeah and then like I'm definitely like fruit like I am obsessed like I just need to eat fruit like all the time like I just it's it's really important like I think that I could live on like fruit salad and like grass-fed beef for the rest of my life
0: I love it I love it okay (laughs) what are the first three things you do in the morning?
1: Um, the first three things I do in the morning are check my email, like a crack addict. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, uh, hmm, you know, I don't really, I'm not super routined in the morning. I wish I was more, I kind of want to say almost like I should be more routine in the morning, but I would say like the first thing I, oh, I read the skim. The skim is so awesome. Everyone should go sign up for it. Um, Have you ever heard of this? It's SK. No,
0: we'll put the link
1: below. Oh my God, it's awesome. It's basically, it's the coolest thing ever. Basically, it is a wrap up of yesterday's global news, but in like girl blog talk. Sweet. Yeah, so it's like hilarious. It'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, like Morsi was ousted and, you know, the deputy secretary is really like bummed out about xyz like that it's just, is so it, cute it's really funny it's really really funny um so I always read that that's like my new favorite news source
0: <laughs> I love that I love that
1: um yes, it just gets me up like right in the morning like I just like check it on my phone if I like don't want to open my eyes I'll get really excited to read the skim and I'll just like pick up my phone from next to me and start reading the skim and then I'm awake by the time I've read it
0: oh my gosh that's hilarious um Okay, best advice you've ever received?
1: Um, the best advice I've ever received... Oh, this is my favorite quote of all time. Um, it's really cheesy, but I love it. Um, and it definitely helped me transition into the career that I have now, which is, um, shoot for the moon. If you miss, you'll land amongst the oh, stars. I have that in my bedroom. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a good beautiful. one. It just really is so perfect because for me every i i think most women most people it's like we don't go for what we want out of fear yeah. so it's like that quote for me just like really takes care of fear for me it takes care of fear it just it, it it just makes me realize like if i'm just if i just go for it 100% even though i'm scared the worst case scenario is still going to be better than if i only gave it 50%
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that just gave me like a pang to actually read this quote, which I actually just Instagrammed um, the other day or today or I don't even remember. I Instagram so much, but um, it's from Mastin Kip, And he he says in an interview, he said, effing ditch plan B and go all in on plan A. Plan B is an effing distraction from your dreams, and when you go all in on Plan A, not only will it happen, but it will be better.
1: Exactly. No, I could and I not. Loved
0: that. Anymore.
1: I could. not Somebody once said to me, "If you have a Plan B, that's what you'll end up doing."
0: Right. 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 And it. Yeah. That totally totally makes sense. And I like mm-hmm. I, like we said. I I obviously couldn't agree more. And. the fact where I Instagrammed it. (laughs) So, um, sweet. Okay, I have one last final quick-fire question for you. Okay. What would the name of your autobiography be?
1: Ooh, um, the name of my autobiography, it would have to be something like really like, I don't know, like something a little bit like abrasive, (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a little abrasive sometimes. Um, My mentor, who is named Andrea Owen, who's amazing, she just got her first book published, which was called like 52 No BS Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life. Something like that. It would have to be something. I'd have to probably have a curse word in there. I mean, I think. Although I'm trying not to curse as much because I'm realizing that maybe it detracts from my message. I think Um, it's
0: impactful, honestly.
1: You too. Okay, to good. Use their own,
0: though. But anyway,
1: I feel like more and more people in their marketing, more and more coaches are like throwing in like "bitch" or like, yeah. like, like you know, like get over your shit or like you know stuff like that. And I'm kind of like, oh my god, this is going to start to be like played out. Like, right. I'm to start using my words because like very sooner or later, like everyone's just going to be like doing you know going this like edgy route and like yeah. <laughs> meaningless. Um, Although it is kind of, you know, I find myself trying not to curse and then I just can't help it. Like, it's just that's the way I speak.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's part of life. And I think, honestly, you know, I had this conversation um, with someone recently. Like, it, it does make people feel more comfortable sometimes, you know, like I know when I was a kid and like I heard the teacher swear, like a boss, you know, at like a (laughs) job and like an adult, I was like, oh my God, like they're a person, like that's cool, you know, and it just made me feel like a little more connected to them. So I don't know if that's the case once we get older, but totally anyways,
1: no matter what my autobiography is going to be pretty casual, you know, and I think that's like a really important part of like my brand, if you will, or whatever, is that I am very, casual in my conversation. Um, I'm no bullshit, that's for sure, but also like a real person. Right. And that, that's the whole point. So my autobiography would definitely be um, something super, super casual. Um, and-, and authentic.
0: I think I think authenticity is hot. And I think when people are real, people fall in love with them. And when people are relatable, that that's huge. And I think that's something... That you definitely are to the maximum and I'm just so thrilled that you were able to come hang out with us in Wonderland for a little bit and drop some knowledge on this whole eating crazy train and how people can release from that and detach from that and really start living their lives to the fullest um, wherever they are. So thank you so much for being here, Isabel. You are amazing.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Katie. This was so, so fun. And yeah, I look forward to, you know, speaking to you again sometime. And I Yeah, I have we'll to have to
0: do this again for sure. Part two.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Well, thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on the wellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.